Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Joined again with Mark, who's um, scaled down his podcasting whoring, which is good. Yeah, I've limited myself to maybe one. Maybe four, four this week. week. <laughs> <laughs> How's things going, mate? All right? Uh, not too bad, mate, to be honest. Um, out doing EV stuff all last week and this week, working for Rick, actually. Timed it well yeah, today. Shooking it down with rain. So, uh, yeah, Rick has started his new job. I'm sure he'll come on and talk with us about that soon. And he needed a bit of help up in the north, clearing up some EV jobs that uh, his predecessor had booked in, but didn't really have the manpower to cover. So, yeah, we, we stepped in. For me, up the north is like anywhere above sort of Northampton, really. I think Rick so, drew the Rick drew the line around Birmingham, so that was classed as my area. I'm actually about 150 miles from Birmingham, but that, that's the north to, to you, Southerners. I think. <laughs> so, so I see what you're doing. So it looks quite some big some big work going on there. Yeah, he's, he's dropped into some new <clears throat> stuff. I mean, they're only single um, single phase charge points, so it's 7.2 kilowatts, but they're quite beefy in the the way they work. They've got a load of tech in, so they've got the GPS, they've got the 4G SIM cards, you know, they're quite smart in the way they manage the load as well. So yeah, mm. there's, there's a lot in those ones. I've not, I've only installed two of them before, so it's not a common product, EV box. What make are they? EV box? Yeah. Are they the black ones that look like Darth Vader's helmet? No, that's easy. Ah, uh, so yeah. They're, they're good ones as well. They're, a, um, if you're on a on a budget, they're a really good solution, actually, those easy box. So they literally just plug and play? Yeah, they, charges, don't, they? They, they don't need any open protection. It's all built in. The RCDs are in there. You literally just hook them up at the end of a radial as you, as you would as normal if it was, a I don't know, any other circuit. You know, you just got to factor in the RCD protection if the circuit's flying, it needs it. But otherwise, you're good to go. Just stick it on the wall and off it goes doing its stuff. You don't need to commission it onto anyone's local Wi-Fi. You know, it's always a faff when you're doing the EV stuff and you've got to link things into Wi-Fi and put extra devices and products in. I mean, you've, you've been exploring that, I think, in real, haven't you, with the, the open tech maybe not helping you out as much as we thought it might. Well, I, I, so I, I, and I'll caveat this, but I'm not, I'm not sure is the answer at the moment. It's just when you when you sort of go down the route of product testing and approval, do you then become, if it's not been product tested, do you then become liable for the product? I don't know. And that's an open question. I, I don't know. Um, and I it's got with so I think when you start when you start inputting in standards, and this is I'm sort of helping with the EV standard for Netarel. Um, is it then if you're saying it's not been product tested, can you put it into a standard? Is, which I imagine is why BS seven six seven one haven't openly said this is a permitted product. They've kept it quite open scope and said if a product is deemed suitable by the designer and or installer then you can use it and sort of put all the onus onto that person. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a funny old question. Yeah. I think, if, I think as the designer, mate, you would be responsible for it. That's the way I'd view it. If you've put something into to use and kind of design the system as a whole, you're taking responsibility for it would be my thing. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to phone my um, insurance company today and just see where I stand as, as insured. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I install a product that is... Oh, sorry, if I design a product that is, if, if I design an installation that uses this product and I covered if it fails. Yeah. I'll, 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 be, I'll be very surprised if I was, 
just because I see that as an easy get out for the insurance company. <laughs> oh no, yeah, you've got to have definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's an interesting discussion, and I suppose I've got no problem with using using the product personally. I've got it. In, got I've got a zappy. I've got no, I've got no issues with using it at all. Um, but it's when it comes down to liability and in, install it mascal who who's then um, yeah. responsible. And I suppose it's different than if we look at products where it's incorporated in the product. I imagine that's not, I've got no issues with going to my energy and saying your product's failed, you're liable. Um, but when you're sort of adding a bit like there's certain standalone devices you can get by that just do that, isn't there? And I suppose that's where I'm sort of going with it is that <clears throat> do you then become liable if that product fails rather than the manufacturer? I don't know. I just, I just don't know. It's a tricky one. I mean, you've got me thinking about the different earthing systems as well because we're doing some work in public car parks. And there's like crash barriers, metal fences. We've got open on TNCS supplies coming out to the charge points. There's lots of other factors when you get to that level with EV installs than just the basic sticking it on someone's house. I think that's where it gets more complex. And we've seen that in a change in the courses as well, haven't we? They've gone from this old course now, which is going to be obsolete, brilliant. We're going to have to buy a new one. And now they're splitting it into three different categories. I think the aim was to covering some of the more technical installs that you find at a commercial industrial level but they've, they've removed the practical aspect from it which to me is just total head scratching nonsense because that's the bit i want to learn about when you're doing the i mean it's like it's like the solar stuff we spoke about this before it's the experience on the roof with the more complex charge point installations it's understanding and maybe having a a, a scenario laid out in front of you to look at on the training course that's what i get value from i'm not interested in just reading the regs and understanding it because i've already done that yeah, I suppose they're for, it's for the masses, though, isn't it? I suppose, and I suppose I'm trying to think of it um, level-headed. And the whole point of the, the change of the course, and I'm not speaking for the people that are changing the course, just what I see and what I think, is that they're trying to make the course more specific to the EV world rather than just a throwaway course that any old any old sod can do, and um, without any prerequisites. Um, so I believe that now the GRB are looking, well, I've spoken to the GRB, so I know this to be the case, that they're looking to make sure that the prerequisites are solid and built into the standard to, to, to offer that course, and then they'll, they'll be sticking it on the GRB card. So they're doing their checks and balances, and I don't know why they get such a hard rap. I, don't, I just don't... <laughs> listen, you can pay your money or don't pay your money to them. You don't have to be a member, but I think the things they do, they really do have... I, I, I honestly believe this, not just as a member, but I honestly believe they do have the industry at the heart of their decisions and what's mm. good. Um, leave the rates aside to one, one side, because that's a debate forever, and, and you just can't get through to people that don't understand. I said leave them aside, now I'm going to rant. I don't, <laughs> <I> don't, <laughs> they don't understand that you don't... It's a minimum standard, the minimum rate of pay, and it comes with all these extra bolt-ons, right? But I'm not going to go down that bit. We was going to do fire penetration, but I think we should do EV, EV charging courses now, because it's... That's just where with it, mate. Yeah, but... <laughs> I, I suppose they look, electricians, if you've got prerequisite, do they need to be taught how to make off an armor? Do they need to be taught how to design the cable size? You know, but what they probably need to be taught is, or not taught, or just honed their skills on is about the challenges of EV. And I was very probably um, dismissal, dismissive of the of the challenges of EV because the open devices does give you that get out. It gives you that one stop shop um compliance and then it is just a radial and then chuck a device on the end of it or a source or wherever you want to chuck it right 
But when you come to trying to, maybe if you can't use one of them devices, as I'm sort of finding that in RAL. Now, they're used everywhere in RAL. Um, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole to find out where, where they're in every device. BP, uh, the BB Polar Plus, are they? They're in their devices. They're in, um, I'm trying to think of the sort of industrial scale, the pod points, they're in their devices. So they've got, they've got them everywhere. Um, but when you're at a standard, you think, well, what, what happens if I can't use that? For instance, maybe we're really close to the part of car parts, very close to the DCCR rail, and there's, this product's not been tested to work out if it can cope with that. Just use that as an example. I've got no science to back that up. It's just as an example for discussion. So then you have to use the TT, and it becomes a whole set of challenges. Because if you're going to use the earth electrode method, the TT method, then you, you've got 2.5 meters of every parking bay that you can't put, have anything with a different <laughs> earthing system. So if you think you're going to, like domestic, it's not really going to be an issue. It's just not. But in the commercial setting, then you've got, or public car parks, you've got ticket vending machines, lighting columns, lighting posts, uh, maybe earthed uh, on a railway, certainly maybe earthed palisade fencing, yeah. um, all sorts going on. And then when you start building that into it and you think, right, so now you've got to think about all this other stuff. I can't just go and put a, a charge point there as a lighting column there. What's my protection for the lighting column? Do I disconnect them circuits and run them off the same DB as the TT earth? Or, or it's just a... I've seen some cases where they put these like sleeves around them, yes. like low-level sleeves around the lighting columns. I've seen some photos of that. It seems like a decent solution, to be fair. But it's just, it's a, it's a, it's not just chucking a radial circuit in anymore. There's so many more things you've got to think about. And I think with my oversimplistic view of it, of saying, "Oh, it's just chuck, just chuck a radial circuit," what's the big deal? I think that I'm then contributing to the dumbing down of it, and I think that's probably a mistake on my half. Yeah, I don't know, mate. I think at the domestic, at domestic and most commercial places, it is pretty straightforward. And um, <laughs> the cost, as I originally did it, was terrible. I don't mind saying that. It was a total waste of time. It was just to go and get the certificate at the end of the day so I could register for the OZ grants. Um, I got nothing out of that course whatsoever. And there was postmen on it. There was people retraining just to be specific EV installers, which is scary. And I think having spoken with Craig and stuff, that shouldn't have even been happening in the handbooks to these courses. I think it actually says that that's not supposed to happen, but we know it does. But like mm. you said, that's now been closed down, so they can't actually do that with these new three courses. The one that's going to be specific for installers and going on the jib card is just for electricians. And like you said, we don't need to be shown how to make off steel wire armors or understand cable calcs and things like that. It's more the design issues around all of the earthing that's the important aspect. Mm. So I think mm. if, we're going to, if they were going to set up a practical booth, if you like, with one of these fences in it that's earthed and a charge point over there and <clears> get you thinking and visualise it, yes, that's, yes. that's training that has value to me. But that's not the case from what I've seen. It's all kind of exams and death by PowerPoint with lots of it. So. Yeah, I think that's where it's going in terms of post-COVID world. I think people are trying to look at putting their courses online and uh, controlling that as much as possible um, open to the masses. Where I live, it's a real problem with... Um, Electrical courses. I know there's one of some, has Napit got a centre in Birmingham? Uh, not Birmingham, Bristol. They do, yeah. Yeah, so I need to look more at their, their website, really. But it's just a big problem around my ways. There's, no, there's nothing really on offer. I think so. That's the, it's, it's a case around the country for, for lots of training. I mean, there's loads of training centres, but when you actually look at them, it is all going to sit at a desk and look at PowerPoint. And the practical aspect of training in our industry has kind of died a death, I think. You know, you don't really see it that much anymore unless you're on your apprenticeship and doing your am2 you know i can't think of any courses i've been on just 
chucking 239 one out there, the design course, other bits and pieces. Um, you know, there's no real practical demonstration. That's the solar training I want. That's what I'm trying to get at the minute. I think you're trying to get that as well, Neil. Yeah, I will be doing the solar one. There's lots of electrically minded courses I need to do, to be fair. I need to do, I want to do a solar, but that's not coming out. I don't think it's August, September, the new ones. And I'll do all three as well, because there's three, isn't there? Yeah. You've got sort of a domestic and small industrial, I think is down as. Then you've got sort of large industrial. What's the last one? Design only, I think, is it? I think so, Something yeah. Like so we're looking at people, management bots, I guess, who are just looking after these installs rather than doing them physically. And it's not, from my point, it's not like you, get, you always get the argument, oh, I don't need to be taught. And I sort of said this, I can't remember if I said it on Twitter or LinkedIn, but it also breeds confidence, these courses, to your customers. You know, if you say you're trained in this, I've, I've, I've gone on. Because I, I personally think this is what CPD was meant when, it, when we come out of, I think it's Working Group 2 or whatever it is, out the uh, Dane Hackett report uh, post-Greenfield. It's, it's all about improving ourselves, do more CPD. I don't think it was really meant as our red manufacturer's instructions, one-hour CPD. That's, that's your day job. Yeah. That's what you should be doing anyway. So to then start moving the line backwards and saying, oh, I'm not doing anything extra, but all, oh, this 30% of my day job is now CPD. I don't think that was the intent. And I'm not speaking for anyone. It's just my opinion. I think that was talking about upskilling, you know what I mean? Becoming better by doing proper accredited trained courses. You know what I mean? Like upskilling. We were going to talk about fire penetration, upskilling it in fire penetration, making sure you're fine with manufacturer's instructions for fire penetration. You've gone through manufacturer's training. I think that's what they was talking. This throwaway stuff that's on on um online now. I mean on YouTube as well. I just don't think it's I just don't think it's right. If I attend if I attend a webinar which is basically someone's opinion on the regs, that ain't CPD. That's listening to someone's opinion. Yeah, that's just what I feel. And um, if you go to an approved course like the City and Guilds update course, I would consider that CPD. But I'm not going to listen to someone's opinion and say that's CPD. No, I, I think don't know, I can... maybe I'm wrong, mate. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think I agree with you. You can log that, of course, you can. You can log it, but to certify that as CPD is pushing it, I think because, like you said, it is just somebody's opinion, unless it's coming direct from the IET or, or BSI or someone <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. then, then maybe and the IET have done some online training I think around amendment too I think they do have a, a course that I'm not sure it's training I think it's no, a webinar it's like, yeah I think mm. they do class it as CPD though so I don't know yeah but everyone does don't they everyone passes everything as CPD now it's like everything. yeah there, I mean, was, it. there was a YouTube video on I've said this before a YouTube video on safe isolation certified CPD sorry no mm. you either go and learn it properly or you don't do it at all you don't too watch many. a video and say, I'm now trained in safe isolation. No. It's too, too many variables in a proper safe isolation procedure, and it varies it really from is. site to site. You, know, you can have a generic understanding of what needs to be done, but to package that up as CPD is yeah, it's, it's a grey area for the best. I agree with you. I think it's it's one of those where you need proper in-person training to get that level of CPD around that kind of, mm. that kind of issue. And that comes from a mentor and experience out on site that a trainee would get, I guess. And yeah, there is a lot. There is a lot of this. The CPD is the buzzword, isn't it? And I guess it all has followed off from the Hackett report, as you said. Um, but yeah, there needs to be more formalisation of that. I think I, I agree with you. I don't think that was intended. That it was all these other kind of fly around bits of CPD we're seeing. I think it was more around keeping up to date with your regs. There's lots of JIB gold card holders who were still working off the 15th and 16th edition. So it was about <coughs> bringing, bringing those guys. Yeah, Sam. About those guys bringing up their. 
there training to current times and then looking towards doing your 239 ones as well and meeting the EAS specification. It's kind of that kind of journey, I think. And then maybe including yeah, right. specific manufacturer training. There's a loads of brilliant manufacturer training out there right now. Some really good stuff. Um, a lot of it is to try and entice you to buy their equipment. Let's not pretend otherwise. But it is high quality training now. Mm. And also, I think a lot of it, and if it sort of touched, not, they didn't touch on it, but the um, Shahid who goes on there, who represents the ECA, he goes on to EFIX occasionally. Sort of, they went on to, it was, they're sort of about the, um, click, 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 what are they called? Oh, got the, no, the screwdrivers, the. Oh, talk drivers. Talk drivers, right? And it was like, well, who's now liable for these? If I, 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 why I'm linking that into this, into what we're talking about now, if you don't attend product training and then there's a pro- problem with a product, who's gonna, you know what the answer is going to be to the manufacturer. Yeah. Oh, you've not attended that product training. <laughs> and all it is is just try, uh, uh, the pessimist in me just thinks that these things are just trying to offload uh, risk to other people. And um, is it about improving the product? Is it about improving installation? Or is it about saying if you don't go on this list and you do install our products, we're not, we're not going to cover you for it if it fails. It's the same with the crimp, crimping tools as well. I mean, how many people use the wrong crimps with the wrong, wrong tools? Back in the early days of my career, I didn't know there were certain crimps that matched up. I just thought if you've got a hydraulic crimping tool and you've got some crimps, you could just lug away. But that's not the case. There are specific ones for specific tools. And if you don't match that up properly, you know, you're not getting a sound electrical connection. You're then responsible for that. If you haven't done the right training, that's, that's on you. So you can kind of see manufacturers wanting to dictate that. But it's awareness of it as well. You know, how many awareness people... Of it. And also mindful, I'm also mindful, true story before we go on, true story, I was taught when I was younger to use <laughs> to use the inside edge of pliers. Same, I was taught that too. <laughs> you said that little nib, didn't you? That was how you were taught to do crimping. But uh, yeah, I suppose I, I don't want to be this, I don't want to turn this into a podcast where we're sort of dictating, this is what you've got to do. You know what? It's your, it's your work, do what you like. Yeah. You couldn't care less. You know what I mean? You just do what you like, you've got to answer for it. But I suppose in terms of what I try and, as I know you do, you try and improve, you try and learn and try and get that balance right between installing to the highest standard, um, training your staff and trying to keep on top of them because, as we know, employee apprentices, they're all the standard we expect here, but they're working on that journey to meet that standard. So there's going to be installs at Danny and then you sort of, quality check it and try and push it up that's just the nature of employing right and then you've also got to make a profit because without any profit we're, we're not in business are we we just might as well go and, might as well go and claim the doll so um it's getting that balance right for everyone and and you have Definitely. got to it's not pre- got, not preaching it's not preaching it's i've been there i've used the wrong tools to do the wrong job definitely yes. i probably i probably still am today in bits of work i do without even knowing you don't know what you don't know so just sharing these things and experiences mm. we've had is to really help other people who are maybe a bit younger than us and just coming into their their working life as electricians and they might see and hear some of this and think, oh, yeah, I never really considered that. It's not, you know, you should know this. It's This is what I've learned along the years um, and it might help someone yeah. else out. I still get it wrong all the time. I still get, we still get it wrong all the time. and It's just the nature of life, isn't it? You know what I mean? But you just try and be a better person tomorrow than you was today. And, um, yeah, that'll probably take that <laughs> mantra to the day I die, to try to be better than it was the day before. But so, so I mean, the EV coursing, the course stuff, I suppose it's got to be a step in the right direction, no? I think so. I mean, like I said, there was no real, I didn't see the value in the other course. It was just a bit of paper we were told we had to go and get. I didn't really get anything from it. 
my other guys have done it. They said the same. If you hunt around some of the social media stuff, especially on Twitter, I think that's quite a common consensus. Mm. So there was a change that needed to be made. Stop like people retraining just as EV installers. I think that's something industry's tried to get ahead of. That's one of the reasons we've seen this domestic electrical apprenticeship as well, because there was rumours there was going to be an EV apprenticeship. Is that going to be included within that, do you think? Is it the EV included in the domestic sort of? Yeah, I think Net and some of the other trainers were trying to head that off because there was talk of there just being a specific EV apprenticeship um, over a course of a year, which I think is, is silly. So the fact that they've got that included in there now heads that off. That's part of this package of apprenticeship training. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's that that journey that we're all going on at the minute where there seems to be a, a push in training to really change the landscape, stop people who are electricians getting access to these courses, you know, to the to the extent of the regulation courses as well. Um, you know, we do have people who are designers and such who need access to it. I'm not trying to exclude them, but it's more people who are coming fresh off the street, doing a regs course and registering with CPS. That's the fact of what happened for just about 10 or 15 years, and it's crazy. So I think the EV side of things now is, you know, the last linking that chain i think of course is to get that out of that possibility and um focused in on us as a solar lot. and domestic uh sorry solar and battery storage is the other one we've got to get yeah there I is mean, a solar course and it's quite good but it's so hard to get any practical experience like we've had this discussion before in terms of actually getting onto a roof and then just installing where do we look at where do we look for the rafters where i mean i think they're called rafters where do we look at for them where do we remove these tiles do you know I mean? how do we put them back safely that's what i want to do i want to learn how to install something not sit there and learn how to install, uh, design a string which my software can do it for me anyway yeah it's the battery storage as well it's all that specific training on where you can install batteries how you mount them and all this new stuff that we're kind of picking up and i guess the best place is asking people in our network who are doing it and stuart Cato has been brilliant with me i've been firing questions at him on and off mm. for the last couple of months but it's that last step of experience out on a roof you know if you if you break a, a tile is that a big deal speaking with some of the other solar installers apparently it's a common occurrence if you're working on people's roofs mm. you should expect to break between six and ten tiles I'd be stood there having broken the first one, not knowing that, thinking, Jesus, what the hell have I done here? It's like, yeah, so, <laughs> I see a good tip online, actually, regarding that. So if you if you do any solar installs, you probably know it's already, but if you do break uh, break one underneath the solar, uh, under the solar panels, you would swap that with one on the edge so that that's yes. a lot easier to replace when you have to go back and replace it. So. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of thing you get from knowledge and experience, isn't it? You know, I'd be sticking a new tile out on sure for everyone to look at, not thinking. Probably that'd be my approach to it. So, I mean, that's it. It's fixing fixing stuff to roofs. Practical experience of that, and I think even some of the training centres with um, a roof to work on. It's only one type of roof, one type of tile. You just have to go and drive mm. around your, your town and see all the different variations. Um, it's mm. experience, I think, at the end of the day. And and then the EV stuff's that journey as well. We're kind of towards the end of that now. I think we've got to grips with the yeah. technology. The unicorn devices have been invented. The training courses have evolved, and I think this is the last step to try and really nail that down yeah do we gutted you just done one in the last six months and you know the old course i know a few right, people man. that have and it's just like it's a real i mean it's, what what i mean you look at like uh net with with the domestic installing apprenticeship this has been open honest from the start dialogue people know it's coming i feel i feel like this ev course has just gone everyone's just gone Buff! just dropped a grenade and gone you know all these courses you've done maybe it's like we've just sold thousands of courses in the last six months worthless <laughs> It's a real liberty, isn't it? It's a proper liberty. So if you are out there, you didn't know there's a new course, cancel your course or get or do not book a new course until the new one comes out, which should be to a higher standard and hopefully recognised by the JRB to go on their their skills card, the CSCS card, ECS card, sorry. Um, 
which would be good. And you will need prerequisites is what I'm hearing. So uh, if you're just thinking of swapping and just doing EVs, it's not going to happen. So no. we shall see what the future holds. Yeah, and I guess the, the, the JIB take a lot of heat, as you had said. That it's, it's an easy throw under the bus thing, isn't it? JIB is a fa- faceless organisation, isn't it? They yeah. realise there's eight or nine people sitting in an office and that's their day job and going to a social media account to see, to see what it what they do is really hard just we see it slagged off constantly with no justification or no facts behind it I really really gets my nerves and listen I'm not saying I'm perfect I have made mistakes loads of times for social media but you do try and learn you choose to try and improve you choose to try and make better decisions and uh, the NRC the same they get ACA seems to get a good rap people don't really give them a hard time uh, but the NRC get a tough rap the uh, JLB get a tough rap and there are people this is their day job you know, and just yeah. got people just slagging them off all the time, and just seems to be no. Well, what would you do? I mean, I, I hear that it's the same voices. I feel like I'm just saying, I'll, I'll stay out of it now, but I feel like I'm just saying, well, what, what would you do if it's different? And when you do ask that question, it normally comes with a silence. Mm. So yeah. you've got you, you, you don't mind sticking the knife in, but when someone when you say, like, what, what do you think we could do better? It's, it's the silence. And that's it. I mean, the JIB, like you've just identified, they're working hard on trying to make sure this EV course is exactly what it says it's going to be before they agree to put it on the back of the gold card. Credit to them, they're protecting electricians at the end of the day and doing that. And will people who are criticising them come out and give that credit? <coughs> Bet they don't. Mm. So it's like It's this constant stream of, of nonsense. And you, you have it over the domestic installer apprenticeship that was saying there's been no consultation on that. They've not asked small employers their opinion and it's just been chucked out there as a de-skilling exercise. Saying that doesn't make it true because the opposite. No, happens. exactly. The opposite. Exactly. They, they they actually put it out there for public consultation. Said, look, say what you feel, guys. In confidence that it will not be shared. Well, it's going to be internally reviewed. Say what you feel, and people are still going ah, bollocks. Yeah, they even got just because it's just it. just because it's you and not me. Just because it's you and I don't like you as an organisation, I will always hate what you do. That's what it seems to be like for me. I mean, yeah. whatever the JRB do, certain people will hate them for it. Whatever, even if it's great for the industry, it's like, what are you mm. doing? What are you doing? Think, the- people, think. I'm not trying to sp- I speak to Andy. If he, once they've ratified this EV thing, I'll come and speak to him and uh, see if we can get him on to talk about the checks and balances that the JRB do before they just put these things on. Because I think it's, the JRB do need to do better at getting this information out there. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Because you, you see on social media, a lot of these big voices saying all this stuff. And there's no real challenge to it from those organisations. I guess they have to be a little bit careful in how they approach industry on social media. But, you know, if, if this kind of stuff is spread and people see it all the time, they might think that that's the actual reality. And, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do is to actually get to the facts of the matter. I tried to do that in a video around the domestic installer apprenticeship. I think it's another issue altogether with the JIB gold card. I think that's another that's another thing that they really need to get the message out there as well and to be fair to Andy he came on the podcast and spoke with us um, but yeah there is there is that aspect to it they need to be more engaged on social media and challenge some of these people to be fair and NET have been doing that so Carolyn mm. Mason and um, Ruth Devine they've come forward and actually challenged some of this stuff and offered a different perspective from that side of things and I think that's important yeah I do think I think it's very positive with um, uh, one of the directors for search or uh, a few weeks ago and I was sort of saying to him that I think the NRC also could do better about telling the, the positives how they represent their contractors at industry level. I mean, that doesn't mean that you've got to um, hang other... I mean, if you think about 
the, the Amendment Two, for example, that's like a committee of different organisations that come together and they choose, pick, a, they try and come to a consensus uh, about what's in the next regulations, right? But the NIC may not agree with what the ECA has done. The ECA may not agree with Hager um, or Eaton or whoever it may be, right? Just to throw some random names out there. Um, now, that's not to say that when you agree on something, or if, if the NIC disagree, but then that's a committee decision. So it's not fair for the NIC then, as an example, to go say, well, we didn't want that. Well, no, it's a committee, you've got to work together, right? But if the, if NIC brings something to the table and say, look, you know what? We, we bought this in for our electricians. We, we saw this. We listened to our contractors that pay to be members. And this is, what we, this is how we represent you at that level. I think they could do a lot more better at bringing that and the ECA in terms of saying, look, guys, we're representing you at this level. This is what we've brought to the table. Because I think a lot of it, with, with social media now and, and the access we've got to information, that can really be powerful. I think some of the older organisations struggle to, to get, bring that bring their sort of public PR, public relations um, internal issues to the forefront. I don't mm. know if it's a, uh, maybe the fright of being, of being uh, what do they call it, a sort of a, like quite dogged out or something on Twitter, and like people just drop, jump on you. I don't know if they're maybe a bit wary of that, but you know what? I would certainly respect more these organisations more if they just stood by and said, "Look, this is you pay your membership. This is part of what we do. We try and get this. We try and get this. We try and get this." And um, people would see value in that more. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think a lot of the time with the social media accounts from. I mean, the NIC probably has more um, a social media person doing it than a technical person. So they put a post out and then kind of step away from it. You see it with a question of the week that they put out and how many people jump on that and they'll either say, this is such a dumb question. Why are you even asking this? This is like awful for the industry. And then they'll say, well, everyone's getting it wrong, which says even even more. I think these kind of questions that they do put out, I think they're decent. They get you thinking. I've answered them and then step back and thought, actually, I think I've got that wrong. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, it, it's it's amazing because you can sit there and say, oh, it's these, stupid, these questions are stupid, but they're not because look at the division in answers. Mm. So clearly there's a debate to be had. And the, I think the questions of the week, if, if you haven't seen it, follow NIC on, do it on LinkedIn and Twitter. I imagine they do it on Facebook. I've not seen it on Facebook. I might do it on Instagram. I've got no idea. But I know I see it on Twitter and, um, and LinkedIn the most. And you get involved, and, you get, and, and the latest one, did you, have you got the answer the latest one on AFDDs? I don't think I've seen that one. What's yeah, that one question? on AFDDs is the question is to comply with, the, and this is where people got really got to listen to the question, to comply with Amendment 2 of blah, 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 blah. Do hospitals over six stories high require AFDD protection on their sockets? I would say no. What did you say? Well, the options, I should say, are yes, no, and maybe. I guess, I guess maybe, maybe then, if they've that's got right. office, office areas and stuff. That's what I went, maybe. Um, and I'll put a little bit of a thought piece in there in terms of saying, well, mate, well it's not residential, which is a shall. Mm-hmm. So only six stories and above on residential. It's not residential, so, so it's, a, it's not a shall. It then becomes a recommended in all other installations. So it then onto the designer to decide if they, is, if they will install that or not. So it's, it's a complete maybe in my book. Yeah, I'd it's agree not- with that. And that's that's a new thing in it to us, AFDD. So asking a question like that gets people thinking, engaging with the regs. That's brilliant. I like that. Well, what I find interesting is because, I mean, I think on, on – oh, let me see how I find it quickly. Because I think on Twitter, right, um, also you get the um, you get the percentages, right? And I think – and I see, I see. I think it was about 
seven percent of was C last time I looked. Oh, so, so people yeah. were committing to either yes or no. You see, that's what I usually do on those polls. I don't like sitting on the fence, but sometimes sitting on the fence is right. the right answer. So the vote, the, fi- the vote is final now. Okay, so the c- question was for compliance with Amendment Two, two thousand twenty. Do you need to install FDDs in a hospital if it is in excess of six stories? So they've not even mentioned sockets actually. So it's definitely not a yes, right? Seventy-three mm. percent said yes. No, thirteen percent, maybe fourteen percent out of two hundred thirty-nine votes. So there is. Now, for me, if I was the NIC, I would be putting these polls out there and saying, right, we now need to do work on um, on more CPD for AFDDs, yeah. more information on AFDD design. That's, it's a great sort I mean, to, to get a, a poll sample of, of what what, you're, what the sparks out there are thinking. I think that's great. You know, it can't be yes. It's not a shout, but it means people are maybe not reading the question correctly or maybe not quite fully understanding the, um, the, the regulation and the intent of the regulation because... I suppose I was trying to think this through. Does it become a residential? Because there's no, no, I should say, there's no definition for residential in 767 when I checked it. Um, So does it become a residential if you've got inpatients? Mm. It's a discussion, isn't it? But I don't think no one can fall yes or no. So it's it's a maybe. It's down to the designer. Those kind of discussions are brilliant. I can, you know, and the NIC, as you said, can guide their CPD after that. What, What I would like to see is when someone like yourself or another electrician poses a question back to them around it that there's some more engagement back in the discussion i think that's where they're, mm. they're they're missing the chain there if you like they kind of put these out and then let it run and everyone else discusses in the comments and they I do come back with an answer though they always come back yes, days after do. results they'll you come do. back with an answer um again from their point of view but it'd be interesting to see where that one goes because 70 odd percent of people think that you should install rcds so there's definitely something something if you've worked on there i mean i could be wrong i could be well wrong also we'll have to wait and see but yeah, I mean, the AFDDs is a whole new thing for us all. So having a question and discussion around that is fantastic. I think that's great. Um, I would I would have liked to get involved in that. I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> well, I'll see if LinkedIn's still got it on. I imagine it's all closed at the same time. Mind you, LinkedIn doesn't have a time limit, does it? I don't know how the polls work. I fire a few up every now and then, but I don't understand how, how they all go. I've seen a few recently asking. Also, I mean, the Polls are usually ones for getting a lot of views on your profile. That's why I use them. That's the, the short answer. And also research for Apprentice one-to-one. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good way of gathering people's understanding of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't mind your poll, but I'll tell you what happened with the polls on LinkedIn is that people started using them to, because you could when you when you vote on LinkedIn, people can see how you vote. So they can see that you've engaged and then I was getting spammed from that person. Oh. Like if, it's, if it comes from a salesperson, don't even bother. Don't even bother because I'll just use it to spam you, uh, which is really disappointing. Top tip there. I didn't know that. <laughs> so it's still, yeah, it's still on. It's only one day one day ago on NRC, I see. So, um, but obviously, it's not, they've not got a poll. They've got a poll. Yes. So that's interesting. LinkedIn as well, 79% yes. Six days left on that. 79% yes. 12% maybe we're, maybe no. we're wrong. We'll have to attend the CPD on it. 10% maybe. And look, just to say, I've got a tick next to my maybe. So, I did vote maybe for all you haters out there. But um, one guy put in there, just put in the reg number. And I said, what do you think? He went, well, one of the three options, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so was, yes, you know, or maybe. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of them three. But no, it's good chat. But um, yeah, let's wrap that up now. Uh, I don't want to go too, too long. Just give me a bit of an update. I think I'm not going to bother with YouTube anymore on the podcast. Um, Going to put it as an audio only format, and then you've got the you've got the um, 
if you really do want to see how ugly mugs, you've got it on Spotify anyway. So, um, yeah, probably going to knock YouTube on the head, I think. Um, it's just... You're not just not watching it. You're not taking part in any content on it either. Well, I don't Full know. Do you know, do you know what, mate? If I'm honest with you, I'm going to have a little chat about this now. If I'm honest with you, if it was a studio-based proper job, I think it's for YouTube, but I'm just not... When you've got the likes of eFix doing their fortnightly live and you see that output and then you've got Trade Legends doing that output, I sort of... I look at what we're what I'm doing here, what we're doing here. I just so, the quality is it's not YouTube. Let the people that have got the access to them studios do that, and and I just feel like it just I'm, it's just not the format of Zoom call for YouTube. That's how I feel. It was for it was for COVID, uh, but and I also enjoy listening to them more than I do watching. I always listen. I mean, I'll mm. go on the YouTube and join in the comments, but when I've watched. Taking a podcast and it's always in the van listening. Yeah, I, I tend to save all podcasts for exactly that reason. We don't want to drive; it can kill two hours easy. Um, so yeah, I think I'm just going to knock it on the head and just do just go back to what podcast, the old-fashioned podcasting. You know, just nice. you just can't compete with them. They're just doing too much of a good job, and you know, the, the actual recording and uploading of podcasts is like twentieth of my list of things to do that's important to me that, that week. And I do love it. I love doing these. Don't get me wrong, I do love it. I love having these chats. I've had a great half hour on this. But in terms of all the other things and you know some of the things I'm going for on the background, I just I just it needs to get the right balance of effort of time and just to I chuck it up on Spotify. It'll take me 10 minutes, you know what I mean? Whereas YouTube is a bit more arsy about facey. So um yeah, we'll see. Who okay. cares? It's a podcast, isn't it? Exactly that. <laughs> I've enjoyed myself. Hopefully other people have enjoyed listening. That's the main thing. Yeah, so we could keep doing them. I love doing them. So definitely keep doing them. But um, I don't think I'll ever stop doing them uh, because it's just because we've not got no schedule. We literally could stop for three months, four months, six months, and I still can't pick them up. I, I, I really would like to do one a week. Uh, but there is, it is different. I mean, we've gone on a complete tangent today. We're not even going to talk about what we talked about. <laughs> so it just shows you the power of, the, of what we can do when we get things uh, going back and forth. And we get Rick on. I mean, we get, barely get a word in edgeways, but it's, um, and he's got loads to talk about. It's great. You know what I mean? He's got loads to talk about. So I'd, I'd like to do more, more of them. Um, I think just doing the audio will make that easier to do as well. I agree, mate. I think that's a sound, sound choice, definitely. So on that note, see you later, everyone. See you next week. See you later. Bye.